Hey folks, welcome back to Intelligent Living. Thanks for joining the podcast, where we have discussions about all things relating to life. You know, through science, we've learned so much about life and how to live it well, so why is it that we tend to live so foolish? Well, it's time to use that science so that we can live life with some intelligence. We can live longer, happier, more purposeful and productive lives for ourselves and for others. And this is called Intelligent Living. So here we're going to learn, laugh, live, last, and love. Thanks for joining the conversation. It's from the same text. This is really number five, but in the order, it's number four. It's called Contending for Contentment in a World of Materialism. You know, from the very beginning of time, you know, Adam and Eve, we, we all most of you know the story, so I'm not going to go there for very long, but Adam and Eve were in the garden. They had everything. And Eve had no idea. She, she talks to the devil. That's not a good idea to talk to the devil on social ground so, or any kind of social media. She's talking to the devil, and the devil misquotes a verse in the Bible and gets her to believe. He gets it in her head. She gives him real estate room in her head. She gets him, her to believe that God's holding out. God's withholding something good from you. You could be like God. If you didn't have God in your life, you could be like God. Now, how crazy is that? But she ain't thinking. You can be like God without God in your life. And so she thinks she's missing out. And with the thing God told her not to take, she takes. She gives it to Adam, her husband, and he takes. And we know the story. They got thrown out of their apartment. So they get thrown out of the Garden of Eden. But it was seeds of discontentment in the midst of plenty that got them out. And it is one of the greatest weapons. The enemy, it's, it, it is maybe not the greatest, okay, but there are many. But it is a weapon and it is a very good weapon that the enemy uses against us if he can get us to be discontent. It, somehow, it just some discontentment is very real, it's strong, it's powerful. Especially during this time of year, for there are a lot of people, you know, they, you know, they're living life and they're getting along okay. But when soon they get close to Christmas, all of a sudden they're they're upset that they don't have the latest and the greatest. They were fine four months ago, five months ago they were fine, but now they're they're not happy. Well, you were happy five months ago, but now they're not happy. And discontentment can get, it can lead you down the wrong road, even in the midst of having everything. And you begin to look at what you don't have instead of what you do have, and not just have who you have in your heart. That's Christ. You begin to think about everything but Christ, and I'll share more of that next week, but you have to be very, very careful because, and it comes in so, it just comes in so easily. God has no problem blessing people and people have money and have finances. That's, there's, there's nothing wrong with none of that at all, as long as they're, you use them the right way when I get to the story in a minute. But having money, you can have, you can have a lot of money and still be discontent. You can have everything you've ever wanted and still be discontent. I remember years ago, I shared this once. <clears throat> I'll share it again because, I, I, because it fits. It was years ago, I was preaching for a pastor <clears throat> in Australia. And pastors always kind of funny. Uh, pastors were people too, you know. And I'm preaching for this pastor. <clears throat> and one of the questions a lot of the pastors ask me is, so, hey, what kind of car do you drive at home? And I say, well, I drive a Ford F-150, a real truck. I said, no, I drive a Ford F-150 that's totaled. I got totaled out and took the cash and, and uh, just pulled out the dents. He said, no, no, really. I mean, what do you drive? I said, that's what I drive. You don't have a newer car? I said, no, why not? I said, why would I want to have a newer car? I said, why would I want a brand new Raptor when I got my Ford F-150? 
In my mind, that's honestly how I think. Why would I? Don't even enter my mind. Why would I want? It's just a piece of metal. A nice sports car. It just goes faster. Just a piece of metal that goes fast. Some go slow. Just a piece of metal. Means nothing. To me, it means absolutely nothing. And so I'm with this pastor. We're in Australia. And he shows me his house. His house is a nicer than my house. Okay. It was. I still remember it a little bitter. But anyway. But no, it's nicer than my house. And he's beginning to show me all the, the remodeling he had done in his house. And it was so nice. I just watched it. And he's walking through each room. Look at this. Look at this. New furniture, this and that. And I'm looking at it and, you know, getting more discontent as I'm looking. And I'm looking around, looking around. And I'm, I'm thinking, man, I wish my house was like that. What's my house? My welcome house. And I'm thinking, and he's just going, well, let me. And he shows me his bathroom. They enlarged his bathroom. And all this nice tile, real expensive tile. It's beautiful. And I'm looking at his bathroom. It's bigger than my bedroom. And I'm thinking to myself, I, I, you know, maybe you've never done this, but I'm thinking, you know, this ain't fair. I said, I'm looking at I said, man, I, I, here I live. In, I'm thinking to myself. So I wasn't thinking that until he showed me this stuff, right? I was fine until he showed me that. I was happy with my Edgemont mansion in my gated community until he showed me his gated community. And I, I, I felt bad because I looked at it and I said, man, how come I ain't got something like that, Lord? You know, I, I know we don't have a big church, so I can't have nothing like that. That's just how it works. It's fine, I guess. <laughs> but I said, man, he's got this, he's got that. I said, I wish I had a new house. I wish I, you know, I wish I had uh, that bathroom. I said, forget about the house. Just give me a bathroom like that. I'm talking to myself. You know, you talk to yourself, too. And I'm talking to myself. I'm saying, just give me a bathroom like that. And I'm thinking, this ain't right, man. Come on. All these 20-some years serving God, and I, this is it? But it's just stuff. And I felt really terrible because later, fast forward, I find out my friend, who's, who was a close friend of ours, I don't know if he preached, I think he did preach here once, he had gotten divorced. His wife, was at the, his wife was a little older than him. He was a little dissatisfied with his life, his wife, everything, his calling. And I talked to him, not talked to him, I saw where he's going. He divorces his wife, leaves the ministry. Time goes on. He finds a new wife. You know, it amazes me about men. Men always say, it's not about the age. Then why do you always marry someone that's your daughter? Why do you always marry someone as young as you? They could be your grandkids. These guys, 50, get divorced, and they marry women, you know, in their 20s. Like 20 years younger than them. 30 years younger than them. And the guys always say, oh, it's not about the looks. Then why would you marry that and leave that? Let me tell you why, because looks matter, okay? I'm not saying it's right, but it's what happens. And he left his wife to find this other girl who's a lot younger, lot, if you say attractive, outwardly, yes. And I thought, he had all that, and he has nothing now to me. I'll keep my house in Edgemont, and I'll keep Carmen. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and I feel, and honestly, I feel convicted. I feel convicted, truthfully. I said, you know, I, I should have been happy and content in God. But that's what seeds of discontentment can do to you. In a short amount of time, you can be happy right this moment, 20 minutes right from right now, and be as mad and upset like I was walking around in my own house in my head. How come I don't have that? How come? But he has that. Oh, he's got that. He's got all his money. Not good. 
Let's read our text this morning. Actually, let me read this first. Someone said about discontentment, really. If you're young, you want to be older. If you're old, you wish you were younger. If you're old, you want something new. If it's new, you want something newer. If it's small, you want something bigger. If it's big, you want something even really big. If you have $1,000, you want $2,000. you have $10,000, you want $20,000. If you have an apartment, you want a condo. If you have a condo, you want a house. If you have a house, you want a bigger house. Or you want a new house or a nicer house. Or maybe you want to scale down, live in an apartment again. If we have a job, we want the dream job. We want a better job. We want a bigger job, a closer job, a bigger office, a better boss, better benefits, more challenging, more opportunity, bigger opportunity, nicer people to work for, more vacation time. If we're single, we dream of being married. If we're married, we, I'll let you fill that in. I'm not getting in trouble. But it's amazing, no matter what it is, we want something else. Let's read about this woman. And I call it contending for contentment in a world of materialism. Because discontentment can lead you down the wrong direction, and you can like that, become miserable, and doesn't take long <clears throat> at all. And this woman here is a woman that I've talked about, the woman from Shunem who's rich materially. <clears throat> and I call it contending because contending, which literally means to fight for something, contentment is not natural. It is unnatural to be that way. It's natural for want. Greed is natural. That's your natural fallen man. You greed. You want things. You covet. That's natural. Contentment is unnatural. It's a supernatural grace in your life because of the presence of God in your life. Let's follow me. Let's read the scripture. I want to read a few verses quickly. <clears throat> Second Kings chapter 4. Let's start with verse 9. She said to her husband, I am sure the man who comes to our house often is a holy man. Let's build him a small room on the roof. <clears throat> Let's put a table, a chair, and a lamp in it. And he could stay there whenever he visits us. One day, Elisha returned to Shunem, went up to his room to rest. He told his servants, Gehazi, go call the woman. And when she had came, she, uh, he said to Gehazi, ask her what can I do for her in return for all the trouble she has gone in providing our needs. Maybe she would like for me to go to the king or the commander of the army to put a good word in for her. I have all I need here among my own people, she answered. Gehazi, Elisha asked Gehazi, what can I do for her? And he answered, well, she has no son, and her husband is an old man. Verse 15, tell her to come here, Elisha ordered. She came and stood in the doorway, and Elisha said to her, by this time next year, you'll be holding a son in your arms. Let me just stop there because of time. This woman, and I know it's not a Mother's Day message, but it applies to all of us. This woman More than I've said before about this same text, when I preached on mothers, I've used these verses before and after. She's a woman that really does deeply love God. Because this woman saw an opportunity to be a channel of blessing to God's man. I'm not talking about personally as a pastor, but to God's cause. This was God's man. She understood something, that she wanted to be a channel of blessing. She wanted to use her wealth as a tool to bless someone else. Now, that is someone who's got a right perspective on money. The right perspective is not so I can get and gain and hold and hoard, but the right perspective is I want to be a channel of blessing to other people's lives. That's what I want more than anything. And God knows our hearts. We may say one thing, but God knows what's really inside here. 
And that's what she wants to be, and that's what she's going to be. You read about it. <clears throat> she's going to become a channel of blessing. And when you and I become a channel of blessing, when we invest our lives to what God has given us, when we give our lives to other people, to the work of God, you know, we reap blessings that will last for eternity. All of us. <clears throat> when you and I touch a life and these lives touch other people's lives, there's people, <clears throat> because you touch someone and they've touched somebody else, you will never meet the people that they touch. You'll probably meet them in heaven, though. We have no idea the impact of our lives. You think about <clears throat> this story I read this morning. You know, it's thousands of years old, and we don't even know the lady's name. All she knows is what she did. God chose to omit her name because anyone's name can be put in there because all that really matters, no, we don't know her name, but all that matters is God knows her name. And that's all that really matters, that God knows your name. And God would bless her accordingly, and God did bless her, and God will bless her. So, but God purposely leaves out her name. But she's a godly woman and wants to be a simply, all I want to do is be a blessing. I want to be a channel of blessing. I'm going to take the wealth God has given me, whatever that is, and I'm going to use it to help someone else. This happens to be the man of God who she recognized that I preached on before. She recognized she had spiritual perception. I preached on that. She said, this man's a man of God. I'm going to bless the cause of God. And that's what she's going to do. <clears throat> now, she's godly in her labor. Because <clears throat> what she's going to do, and you don't maybe realize this, but she wants to associate with Elisha, the call of God. But if you study it out, you find out that she was living in a very godless time among godless people. She's actually a rare person at this moment in history. She has wealth. We don't know how she got all her wealth. She has a husband. He's older. Some believe he's probably 20 years older. But the point being is she's, she's, a, she's choosing to live for God, even though everyone else around her is ungodly. You know what? People talk about this being the last days. I know it's not good days. I know that much. And it is a difficult, crazy time. No one could predict the insanity of our world today. But that, and no matter how crazy this world gets, it is no reason for you and I to compromise our walk with God in any fashion. I don't care how crazy it gets. And they say, well, that's how the world does it. That's right. That's how the world does it. That's not what God says, and that's not what the word of God says. No, we're not going to live that way. No, we're not going to do that. No, we don't believe that. No, we're going to make a stand against it. Absolutely. And she's, she does this. She, it's a rare person. You know, I'll read it in Proverbs. It talks about this woman. It simply just says, charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. We live in a day, and this is crazy, we live in a day and an age where physical beauty is prized above everything else. And that is so shallow. Today, it used to be about girls' bodies looking nice. Now it's about guys, too. Give me a break. Guys want to look like girls, and I don't understand these guys. What's wrong with you, boy? They needed a head transplant. But it's so shallow when a girl honestly thinks her, the only way you're attractive is if you, if you show everything. In fact, to a guy, I think the most godly trait a person could have or a woman could have is, is she's, she's modest and she's godly. A godly person, to me, that's attractive. A godly man and woman, a godly young person, that's attractive to me. Not this world, but they say, guys, show everything in order to have attention, to be, to, be, to be seen by anybody. Listen, no, no, no. A godly man or a godly woman, they shall be praised. And that's what this woman is. 
this woman <clears throat> is not going to be shallow. It's really about her character. It's about her morals. It's about being a good person. It's about being godly. She opens her home to this man. You know, my mom, <clears throat> we didn't have much at all growing up, but we had enough. But my mom, <clears throat> you know, she comes from, uh, her family comes from Poland, and she had a big heart. We didn't have much, but what we had, she would share. And she, our house was always open to any kid, teenager, or any young person that needed some place to live. I used to think, how could, how could you do that? And, you know, she didn't claim to be a strong Christian. She said she was later on. But I thought, what a good heart. And I said, Mom, why do you, why do you, these guys, and I got, uh, most of it happened after I moved out, after I was older, but younger, after I left, she had these guys living in her house, different people, Alfredo, different guys, they're locked up in prison now, some aren't even alive no more, but these guys had no place to live, they had problems with their family, they come to our house, Mom said, I want them always to know they got a place to live, they got a place to stay, they don't have to sleep on the streets, at least they have something here, even just for a night or two, our house is always open. What a good heart, huh? This woman says, you know what? Anytime Elijah comes by, I'm not satisfied just to give him a taco or some pozole. Let me stop there for a moment. These, these meals on wheels during COVID, I don't know who came up with the idea, but it was very good. And I say thank you for the, all the food that came to us when, we were, when, we were, when I had COVID. I was thinking to myself, I got to find a way to milk this. <laughs> Get all the meals I can and not be sick. I mean, I got, I got people bringing over food. Some people brought some food. One of the sisters brought food. I mean, everyone brought food, but had, you guys bring enough food for you, an army. One of the sisters, I won't say who, made, made, made uh, some, some, some uh, what's it called? Enchilada, giving away the secrets. You know, enchiladas, she made some. We, we ate those for three days. I mean, so much food. I mean, pozole. We had, we had food for, for a long time. But this woman says, you know what? I've been giving him food. He comes by. He stays. I feed him. And we, I already preached that. And she feeds him. She goes, you know, I'm, I'm not content just to do that. I, I want to do more. I want to have a place. Whenever he, listen to the word. Whenever he comes by, he can stay here. Now, make the application in your own life. She says, I'm going to do all I can. I said this in the very first sermon to capture God when he's here. I want to do everything within my power that whenever, and the key word is whenever, and whenever is whenever. What does that mean? That means it's not according to your time, but God's time. When God's time comes, I want to be in this position during this generation. When God comes by in any time, whenever that time is, God, we have a place. We have our hearts, our homes, our church. We have a place that, God, you can come and you can visit us. That we don't know the time. We, we don't know. People say, well, how's this going to work out? I don't know how it's going to work out. But I want to make God, give God the platform to work in our lives and in our church. And that's what she's saying. She said, whenever he comes by, I want to be available here. This is very, very good. She cared enough about his welfare, or her, his welfare to do something. Whenever Elisha would pass by, there'd be a room there for him. Whenever it basically means any moment. 
And she, what she was saying by her actions was, I want to be ready. I looked up the word ready. Listen to what it means. Completely prepared. In a fit condition. Equipped. Adjusted. Or arranged for the occasion or purpose. A willingness. That, that ought to be you and I with God. That we put, put, put yourself in there. God, I am ready. I am completely adjusted and arranged my life to your purpose. So you, you come by. I'm not just going to give you some food or a few tacos and send you on your way. No, no. Lord, we want, whenever you choose, we don't, know when you're, we don't know how you're going to move. We don't know when you're going to move. We don't know the day or the hour. That's what Jesus said. You don't know the Son of Man's going to come, but he's going to come. But we want to be ready at any moment, God. We, we're here. We're available. We're ready. We arranged our lives for the purposes of God. That's what she's willing to do. Our actions say everything. So this woman's doing everything she can possibly do to give God access to her household. So I put a question here. What are you doing to give God access to your home? Well, let me ask you like this. Does God have access to your home? Does God have access to your home? And she says, you know what? Anytime God wants to, he can stop here. Anytime. You know why? Because she's, her heart was saying, anytime he comes by, I'm ready. I remember years ago, I... I was following up on a guy knocking on his door. I hear him talking. Now, I can't smell real good. That's a blessing, trust me. People say, you smell that? I don't smell nothing. The only thing I can smell is his old women's perfume. Anyway, okay, I don't know where that came from. I walk by some of these old women, like, what in the world is that? What's called perfume, Carrie? That's perfume? Anyway, but I knock on this guy's door. And I hear, I hear some shuffling and hear something going on. And, and I wait and knock again. I hear them. They're talking. They're, and I said, who is it? I said, it's, it's Carrie. Oh, Carrie, Carrie, Carrie. You know, Carrie. I said, Pastor. Oh, Pastor. Oh, it's Pastor, Pastor. And I hear shuffling and something's going on. And it took them literally probably at least 10 minutes for they open the door. They open the door. Oh, come in, Pastor Carrie. Come in, come in Pastor Carrie. Come in, Pastor Carrie. So, so I, I didn't do it like that. Anyway, so I, I go in there. I sit in the living room. And... Uh, I said, what smells? I honestly can't smell. I, 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 I can't smell real good. Something smells different. I said, what, what stuff in here smells? I said, what is that smell? And the guy, person felt bad. They, uh, I said, was it pot? You smoking pot? You know, I'm just being honest and naive, I guess. And the guy said, well, yeah, Pastor. Didn't want to tell you that. <laughs> we had to put it all away before you got here. We heard you was you. We, were shut, we put everything away and tried to spray it real quick, but I guess it didn't work, did it? <laughs> what room or what access does God have in your house? If God visited your house, would you have to put some things up? They put away those movies, get the pure, get pure flicks out. Because the well, flicks we've been watching aren't, aren't Christ-like. Terrible for our kids. Who's at the door? Oh, it's just Elijah. Stop. Don't let him in yet. Let's put away the alcohol. Dump it. Get it out of here. Go hide the dope. 
Honey, if you can, get sober like real quick. Can God just stop at our house and feel welcome? Or you say, you say, you better act right as Jesus. You better act right. Don't you make me look bad, you understand me? Better not I'll slap your face right off your face. Because <laughs> she had a heart for God. Her heart for God is seen in her actions, but I love the fact that whenever... Whenever, whenever, God, we're ready. You know, some people believe that in the last days, I heard this one preacher, and I just happened to see him. I've heard a few preachers, but this woman I saw recently said, and I thought, I don't know, it's just my thinking. I thought he was talking about our fellowship, because he said these words. He said, he said, God has a fellowship of people of churches or people basically what he's saying he said that no one in the church world doesn't even know exist that sounds like us he says and god's going to fill those churches because there's righteous men and women in those churches in the last days he, he believed god's going to pour out his spirit i believe for the best of the last day i don't understand how it's all going to work but he said i believe god's going to pour out his spirit and fill these churches that people don't even know exist because there's a lot of religious stuff out there people a lot of folks they ain't even saved he said, but there's another group of people in the world that the world knows nothing of that God's going to breathe on and fill. I want to be that people. I want this church. I don't, know what it, I don't know what it will take to make people wake them up, but whatever it takes, Lord, so be it. Let the earthquakes come. Let's rattle and roll. Rock, rattle, and roll, baby. So you say, Pastor, I'm afraid. Don't worry. God got you. You meet him. You, so, you, so, so I don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to meet Jesus, right? That's where we're all aiming to go, right? You should get there a little quicker. But if it takes all that to feel this, people get saved? Then so what, what, what will it take? I don't know what it would take. But I love the fact that she says, whenever, whenever, it doesn't matter. No, no notice, no problem. God, you show up, I'm, I'm, my door's open, my heart's open, my life's open, my home's open, my kids, I'm preparing my kids now. Mom and dad, you got young kids, listen, now's the time to prepare them about the things of God, not when they're 20. When they're young, you, you lay them on the bed that you have where the man of God sleeps. What are you talking about? That you lay them down when you put them in Sunday school. You put them in the man of God's arms when you put them in Sunday school. I say the man of God. I'm talking about God. You put them in God's arms when you put them in places where God can put a seed of something in their soul. It starts when they're young, not when they're 20. You, you do it when they're young. Sunday school, Dale was given his life, like 20, 30 years, trying to build up the Sunday school rooms. And now because of COVID, it got killed a little bit. But listen to me, parent, bring your kids to Sunday school. And I would say if the kids come, that means mom and dad should come. Right now, I'm having a hard time coming to Sunday school because I'm trying to get used to my new adjustment without my medications or my treatments. Not medications, but my treatments. They changed my, I get it, but not like I was getting it before. Make a long story short, I'm, I'm learning how to make the adjustments, but... But I think most of you are a lot healthier than I am. Come to Sunday school. Come, Sunday school. Bring your kids. So it means i got to give another hour earlier. I think it's worth it for your kid's life. 
kids go in this, you'd be surprised what God puts in their hearts. You'd be amazed what God put a seed of the word of God in a child's life in a Sunday school. Five years down, my kids still remember stuff they learned in Sunday school. Now they're older. Some of my oldest kid, how old is my oldest kid? Like 40-something. 44. I'm 45. How does that work? But I, sometimes we pray. My grandkids would say, you pray, you pray, you pray. You pray, you pray. You pray. And usually Uriah would pray something like this. He'd pray, God, bless the food. And he'd say, God, bless the services we're about to have at church now. God, bless, bless the service. Like on Thursday night, well, I think a couple times he prayed. Or on Sunday afternoon, he prayed, may God bless our service tonight. God would touch people's lives. God would help them. Where did that come from? Someone been putting put them in Sunday school. You in the midst of insanity, Arizona, Phoenix, here, California, you know, working as best they possibly can. They need, listen, it's worth it. You only have them a short amount of time. They're gone. Every parent knows that. When you have them, you think, this is going to last forever. I'm going to go crazy forever. No, before you know it, they're 18, 19, 20, 20, and next you know at the 30 and 40. You blink your eye and they're gone. When they're there, you say, God, I don't know if I can do this. Then when they're older, you say, God, I wish they could come back. I got pastor friends that aren't quite like I am with kids and people. They like it when their grandkids leave. They say, my grandkids drive me crazy. How about you? I said, my grandkids never drive me crazy. They crazy, but they don't drive me crazy. <laughs> it's always open, anytime, day or night, any age. This woman says, you know, I got a place. I got a bed. And you know what? It's amazing about the story, really. She has a mother's heart, but she's not a mother. Women, mothers more so, I believe. Mothers seem like they have a department of love that men don't have. That's what it seems like. They got an extra department in there, or like two hearts or something. A mom's love is deep. And guys, we're just different. That's just how we're made. The son can, or our daughter can, but the wife, uh, the mom say, but that's my son. And dad would say, hey, you know, hey, no, deal with it. The wife says, you know, hey, I just, there's a department of love that a mom has. And this mom, she says, I got a room, I got a place, and I challenge every parent, you need to have a place that your kids can lay down in things of God. They can learn to rest in the things of God, like the bed was in that room for this, for the man of God. And children come to Sunday school. They can learn something about eternity. They can learn about heaven. They'll, they'll learn about hell as they get older. But they'll learn those things in there. You'd be amazed what they will learn in there. But here's my other point quickly. <clears throat> You've all said this. We've all said it. Actions speak louder than. And so she says, I'm going to not say hey, I want to do this whenever. I'm going to build a room for them. And she does it. Listen, my point, she saw a need, and she did something for that need. So I say to us, <clears throat> when's the last time you were truly observant about someone else's need? And I believe this. If you and I are going to be like Jesus, then we will be observant people, right? When I drove by that man who I didn't know who's knocked out on the side of the road, this lowrider cholo guy, 
I drove by him, and I said to myself, I can't believe people by him, and I drive right by, and that thought comes to me. You drove right by him just like everybody else. I pulled my truck over like that. Went back, I grabbed him, threw him in my truck, threw his bike in the back of my truck. Came, I was a little bit dirty, but, you know, I could care less. When's the last time you saw and you observed a need, but you didn't do anything? Have you ever saw, have you ever been someplace and you saw someone and you're like, I didn't see him? <laughs> I have as pastor. I've been someplace. So, oh, no, not them now. <laughs> no, no, this ain't a counseling session. Not now. Yeah, absolutely, I said that. You said it too. You saw someone you didn't want to see. You said, oh, I don't want to talk to them now. Not, or you, something happened. You said, oh, I don't want to talk to you. Like, oh, I didn't see him. Oh, I didn't see him. They're right there. Oh, I don't see him. And then you justify your inaction. Jesus is walking. The book of Luke says Jesus is walking. And he says, who, who just touched me? Somebody just touched me. And the disciples said, Sandel and Esteban said, Lord, they're all touching you. They're all touching you. What are you talking about? Jesus says, no. Jesus said, someone touched me. I felt power go out of me. We have a God that can be touched. We have a God that observes what no one else observes. We have a God who feels what no one else feels. And he says, no, someone touched me. And he, it was the woman. Remember, we all know the story about the woman. But the disciples, all these people hitting Jesus. No, no, I feel the touch. I'm observing. I know what's going on. And if you and I can be Christ-like, you can't just say, I see, but I, more than I see, I see, I feel, and I do something. What are you willing to do? Let me end here. I got a few more minutes. I got a few more minutes. I didn't start my clock till late, so I get a little extra time. Hey. <laughs> The Bible says Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were under the power of the devil, for God was with him. You saw and you do. And you know what's amazing to me is that she, she was grateful for her life, and she lived out Philippians 4. Listen to what it says. The Bible says never worry about anything, but in every situation, let God know what you, you need in prayer and request while giving thanks. I don't know if you understand what I just said, <clears throat> but she's living out that expression. In Philippians 4, it says, don't worry about anything, but let God know everything you need in prayer while giving thanks, one version says. You would think it would be the opposite. You think it would read like this, pray to God, and when he gives you what you want, then you give thanks. That's not what it says. It says giving thanks prior to getting anything from God. Why? Because it's the heart that says, God, no matter what you give me, I'm thankful for. She's living out this. She's grateful for her life. She enjoys her life greatly. And you think about this. She does not have a child. Back then, if you didn't have a child, it was a reproach to the family. It was considered an omen. Not an omen, but it was worse than that. It was considered something bad You'd be looked upon as something, there's something wrong with you. 
They even had an old belief that many believed that if you're a couple and couldn't have a child, it's because God was judging you because of the sin you did before you got married. She lived with that reproach and that shame all those years. And yet, in that condition, she has such a beautiful heart because she, she, she's finally settled in her heart. Even though I'm barren, even though it's painful, even though it's difficult, even though everyone else thinks I've been sinning since I, I haven't, I've been doing everything right, I love God, but no one, no one believes me that I love God, but I do. She says, you know what? I submit to the will of God. Because you don't find her complaining about not having a child. You don't find her. You, you would think that if there's anything you complain about, that's a perfect, that's it right there. You don't have a child. You know how everyone thinks about you. You know how the society, you don't have a child, you're a card. You know, Elisha comes by, and all she wants to do is be a blessing, a channel of blessing. And she's living out this life. Even in the midst of reproach, she's still grateful for the life she does have. Oh, yeah, I would want to have a child. I'll get to that next week. Time's running out. But, yeah, I'd love to have a child. But if I can't have a child, I'm going to enjoy my life in God right now, and I'm going to be a blessing to other people. I'll bless those who do have a child. I guess I'm going to end it on this part. She's childless. She obviously she submits to the will of God. Probably said somewhere in her heart, you know what, I want a child. God, you haven't given me a child. Only you can give me a child. You haven't. Okay. I'm content. In fact, she says that. And if you can, if you don't mind, I'll ask you to put all your phones on vibrate, please. And don't. If you're taking notes on your phone, that's one thing. But don't be social media while I'm preaching. Don't be texting your buddies. Can I say that? Well, I just did. I like me now. Put that thing away. But anyway, <clears throat> she submits to the will of God. So, okay, this is, this, I know what I want, but you're not giving it to me for whatever the reason. Okay, but I'm going to enjoy what I do have. Because she says, when she's asked, I'm going to have to end it here. She's asked by Elisha, what can I do for you? What does she say? And I'll pick it up next week. She says, I am perfectly satisfied with everything. I have all I need. If you didn't have a child, your life was considered totally incomplete. You can't tell her that. She says, I have all I need. Elisha says this to her, and I'm going to say it to you. What can I do for you? If God asked you, if God were to ask you, what do you want? Well, well some of you, your minds will go wild. <laughs> what would you want? What would you ask God for? So he said, well, I, anything? Anything. I got a new house, new car, new job, new body. <laughs> What would you ask? Now think about it. What would you ask God for? If you could have anything, 
You know what I'd ask God for? Let me have anything forever. <laughs> so I can never run out of getting everything I wanted. What would you want? If you could only have one thing, what would you? God asked Solomon after Solomon takes over the kingdom. God comes to Solomon. Solomon's a young man. Says, "Young man, this is, I preached on it." But he said, "Solomon, what do you what do you want?" God came to Solomon. I think First Kings three or four in a dream at night. He says, "Solomon, what do you want, son?" And he says, "Man, I want a new PlayStation. I want a new PlayStation, Lord, because you know I'm a king. I got something. I need something to do. You know, King Jong Un, whatever the guy's name. I'm not trying to be making fun of Orientals, but the guy, North Korea. You know, the leader of North Korea. He spends most of his time playing video games." You know that's a fact. He runs a nation. He wants a nuclear weapon. He's crazy. One man said, "We will spend today's generation will spend half their life wasted by just glancing at social. Not even do. Not even engage. Glancing. Just glancing at social media will will spend half their life." You only have so much time in life outside of work. Your free time, they said, you will spend half your free time wasted on social media. Wasted. What do you want? And, and here's a young, this is so powerful because he's a young man. He says, God, all I want is I just want some wisdom so I know right from wrong so I can be a good judge of your people. That's all I want. And God says, Solomon. I'm going to give you wisdom like no other man's ever had. I'm going to give you riches like no man's ever had. And I'm going to give you length of life like no man's ever had. But he ends it with, but you make sure you walk in my ways. What do you want? I want revival. I want to see all my kids, grandkids saved. I want to see your kids saved. I want to see all these young people that hate their life, that want to give up their life. You know, today there's a crisis. You know, the area, the youngest, there's a crisis in an age group. It's the young girls. For some reason, they don't understand why. It's the young girls, young teenage girls are committing suicide at a lot higher rate than young boys, and they don't know why. God, give us all those young girls. What do you want, shoot my woman? God. Just having you come by is enough for me. You come and stay in here, I'm good. Listen, you don't realize what you have until you don't have it. We're sitting in church a year and a half ago. A year ago, we couldn't be doing this. Why don't you bow your heads this morning? What do you want? What do you want? Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. You're here this morning, you're a Christian. <clears throat> Seeds of discontentment. Or maybe the illustration I used about myself twice about the guy's house, and I felt sorry for myself, and I complained to God in my heart. While watching the young man on the side of the road. knocked out 
I drive right by him and I said, and right then and there, God said, you, you just drove by him just like everyone else did. And I says, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If we could see the need and, and we allow God to use us to be a channel of blessing, there is no limit to what God can do. There's no limit. You're here this morning, you're a Christian, God's talking to you. Would you raise your hand? Just quickly, just raise your hand and say, God, you're talking to my heart about some things. You're talking to my heart, Lord, here's my hand. Some of you, all you want is normal. You don't want things, you just want normal. In a moment, listen to me carefully, I'm going to open these altars. This was not planned by me. It's what I feel in my heart, though. God wants you to come to this altar. And he wants you to tell him what's on your heart. Tell him what you want. Tell him what you want to be in God. Maybe you're young. Maybe you're that, you're that young person who just says, you know, I'm empty inside. God, I need you to fill me. I don't know why I'm unhappy, but I am. You come to the altar and you talk to him. Jesus is real. He will touch you. He'll change you. And may God help our attitude to be whenever you come by. God, I'm available. I'm here. I rearranged my life for you. And God spoke to you this morning. Just raise your hand quickly. All of this place, all these hands. Just raise them by all these hands. Yes, just raise your hand quickly, quickly, quickly. Just raise them. Put them up. Put them right back down. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. I see these hands. Yes, yes, yes. Maybe you're here this morning, you're watching me, or you're in the congregation, and you're not right with God. And God's stopping by right now in your life, sending, make room for me in your heart. Make room for me in your life. Quit ignoring me, my voice. Quit ignoring me. Quit walking away from me. And you're here watching me. You give your life to Jesus. You say these prayers. Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sorry. Forgive me my sins. I give you my life. Come into my life, Jesus. I repent of my sins. I want you to change me. If you're watching me or you're hearing what I just said, you say that in your own heart. God will change you. Let's all stand. Come and tell God what you want. Come and talk to God about your life. God, let our church be a place whenever. A refuge for this city. A channel of blessing to others. going to close in a word of prayer <clears throat> before we close i'm just going to challenge you whenever is tonight's service also amen so i challenge you to come back and be with us should not be pick and choose you should come if this is your church make it your family come here Hey folks, I really hope this episode encouraged you to live a more purposeful and intelligent life. If it did bless you, would you share it with somebody who you love as well? Thanks again for joining us, folks. We'll see you next time.
Thank you.